mushroom salad. Boy, you better slow your mushroom down. Mushroom salad now, baby. Guess you better slow that mushroom down. I hate that song. I love it. That was Mushroom Salad from Reagan and Watkins. Hope you enjoyed that track off the debut Reagan and Watkins album. Thank you guys so much to everybody who has downloaded the album or has purchased a hard copy or continues to download it. We will have vinyl very soon and some more uh, hard copies for on the road uh, of the CDs very soon. Thank you for all the support. I just want to say thank you to uh, a lot of people came out to the the Reagan Watkins show in San Diego. Uh, that was really cool. A lot of Kill Tony supporters, a lot of Jeremiah Wonders listeners, as well as uh, New York people from uh, me just throwing it up on Instagram, my, uh, my stand up on the spot pop up show. Uh, it, it's been cool to um, actually, you know, tell people about shows and people have been coming to them because, you know, earlier years, earlier on in my career, I, you know, as you're growing as a comic, you'll post shows and, you know, if one person comes, it's a huge deal. And uh, it's still a huge deal to me that, uh, that you guys are coming out in larger and larger numbers. So I appreciate you listening to this podcast and supporting me in general. I'm very grateful this holiday weekend. I hope you had an awesome 4th of July, guys. What did you get yourselves into? Did you see any fireworks? Did you shoot anything off? Hopefully you didn't shoot a bottle rocket into... <laughs> anybody's face or anything that's we we used to do roman candle fights back in kansas uh so dumb but so fun you know (laughs) it was a different time guys yeah hope you spent it with some some friends or some family and uh if not connect with somebody this week and let's get this week off to a good start you know what i mean jeff ross is the guest today i'm very excited to have him on the show this guy has done so much for me personally and uh with my career, uh, just been a good friend to me over the years. And, uh, we talk about how we become friends and we talk a lot about, uh, his new show on Netflix that we worked on together, historical roast. We talk about roast battle, different stuff like that, the comedy central roast. And we had a good time. Jeff is a good dude. And, uh, it was nice to have a, a longer conversation with them. Sometimes, uh, as friends, you know, with, uh, comedy clubs and comedy shows you uh you don't get to really interview your friend every once in a while certain things come up but it's cool to 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 see them in a different light and uh to be able to introduce them to people in a different light i want to get through uh this intro pretty quick uh because i'm trying to relax uh it's the first time i've taken time off in a long time we've been on the road so much i spent some time with uh my wife this weekend up in santa barbara it's very nice so very excited. Uh, some updates I'll share with you guys soon. Uh, it's looking like Speedweed is going to have uh, their studio set up pretty soon, and hopefully I'll be moving Jeremiah Wonders over that way. I'll keep you posted on that, but sponsor of the show, OG sponsor Speedweed. Thank you for all the support. Hit up Gino at Speedweed for that marijuana delivery at Speedweed on Twitter. Bronx Born Pizza 
You like that multicam setup on YouTube? That is thanks to Bronxborn Pizza at Bronxborn Pizza on social media or at Gray Block Pizza. Check it out in Los Angeles and Santa Monica. Love that guy, Thomas Schiffer. Help now. And then Tate Fletcher, our buddy, support his company at Caveman Coffee Co. on uh, the socials. And we got some new sponsors coming up that uh, you guys are going to enjoy. I want to read you some quick tour dates, my friends, where you can see myself, where you can see Kill Tony, Reagan Watkins. A lot of different shows on the docket. Tuesday, July 9th, come see Stand Up on the Spot. I mean, it's a crazy lineup. Joe Rogan, Brian Callen, Pete Holmes, Christina Hutchinson, Taylor Tomlinson, and myself, Jeremiah Watkins. That's going to be a wild show. Come to that in the belly room. Uh, might already be sold out. I'm not sure. Uh, and then um, also later on in the week, we have uh, Kill Tony in Texas, Plano, and Fort Worth. Come out to those shows and then see Tony Hinchcliffe and I do some stand-up over the weekend. And then our buddy Gage, who helps produce this podcast. He edits all the audio and the video and makes it look all schnazzy for YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel. Sup- subscribe, youtube.com slash Jeremiah Watkins. And come see me and my buddy Gage in person in Texas this weekend doing stand-up together. That's going to be a treat to be able to hang out with him. Love that guy. Follow him on the socials at Gage, G-A-G-E-T Arena, T-I-J-E-R-I-N-A, T-I-J-E-R-I-N-A, yeah, Gage T Arena. We got to get to a different hand to do. <laughs> uh, and then um, also check out Phoenix, 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 Phoenix. I keep saying this, but Phoenix, we got to fill a pretty big venue for Reagan Watkins, but uh, myself, Pat Reagan, Joel Jimenez will be coming. We're all doing stand-up solo stuff, and then we're closing out with Reagan Watkins, full band. Uh, the Pack Theater, if you want to come see Jeremiah Wonders uh, doing a, an experimental 15-minute live show at the Pack Theater on July 19th. It's the first time we're doing Jeremiah Wonders live. Come to that. That'll be real interesting. I don't know how that's going to work out, but it will be a good time. And then um, on July 20th, we're at the Huntington Beach Rec Room. Huntington Beach, right outside in the OC, Orange County area of Los Angeles. Uh, go see myself and Pat Reagan headlining with Reagan Watkins. We're doing full band, Joel Jimenez, Chroma Chris on the bass, as well as William Montgomery helping open us. So the Kill Tony Band plus William Montgomery will be at Huntington Beach Rec Room on Saturday, July 20th, Rec Room, Huntington Beach. Philly and Pittsburgh, we're doing Kill Tony and stand-up shows. Uh, Another couple of big venues, so uh, get your tickets at TonyHinchcliffe.com. For that, and then I'll also be in Miami, Florida, with uh, Tony Hinchcliffe at the beginning of August, that first weekend. Uh, excuse me, uh, the August eighth through tenth. So there you go, guys. Um, let's get into this podcast. The Roastmaster is here on Jeremiah Wonders. Without further ado, welcome my pal Jeff Ross to the show. We're doing it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we're in it. This is it. This is it. I'm it's, staring at four empty seats. What kind of audience is this? I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't haul people in for the show. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> Jeff just knocked over three out of four Ninja Turtles. This is great. I've never been in an Al Qaeda hostage video before. <laughs> Jeff was making fun of my setup as immediately. He's like, "What is your wife thinking of all this setup?" I'm like, "Yeah, uh, you know, she's." She lets me do it. <laughs> this is, she must love coming home to an electrical fire. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, she would, she's like, uh, you said uh, that if you were with her, then she would have left you a long time ago having this set up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Jeremiah, you might have to get, no wonder you got a haircut, just so you'd have room for all this shit in the house. I know, right? You might have. <laughs> I need I need extra room for the my peripheral. <laughs> you, I've literally been able to see better since I got a haircut. I bet. Yeah. Imagine if you got a nose job. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be too much, too much, too much space. I, I wouldn't know what to do with all my vision. Thanks for giving me the pink microphone to bring out my feminine side. Of course. I yeah. know how into feminism you are. So. Of course. Yeah. You just uh, uh, did uh, the Netflix historical roast and uh, Cleopatra uh-huh. and Frank. Uh-huh. So you... Uh, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. <laughs> all, all, all the past queens. Great feminist icons. Yeah. Um, How are you doing with that mic over there, buddy? You know, it's, I didn't know they sold mic stands at 7-Eleven, <laughs> but this is good. <laughs> great. You got it? You have to kill Tony for this mic stand? No, here, screw the bottom. No, it's fine. Yeah, tighten the bottom. That way, if you want to lean on it, you can't hear it. Righty tighty, lefty Lucy. That's a cl- that's just a mic clip. You know, you know, how mic stands work. <laughs> just tighten it. I know how professional mic stands work. Hey, these are boom stands. I don't man. know how these Legos. <laughs> All right, they're Fisher Price mic stands. <laughs> and the, and now the fourth Ninja Turtle is down. Dude, it's always uh, uh, it's always fun uh, having a good buddy on the podcast because at first I feel like I feel like the way I start podcasts, the closer of a friend I am with the person, the more awkward it is getting into it, and then it's smooth sailing from that point on. Hey, I'm easy, bro. I know you are. Ask me anything. I know. Could ask you anything. Are we gonna do sax talk? I mean that that's at the end. I know you're really excited about that, but yeah, we saved that for the end. Great. You got a story loaded up. I got more than a story loaded up. I'm Whoa. ready to burst. Perfect. Ready to go deep. Oh, yeah. You're into yoga. Frozen yoga. Fro- <laughs> Strawberry. Froga. 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 <clears throat> yoga is good for you, especially a guy like you on long flights and carrying equipment. You know, you, you need to stretch your back and, and, and honor your body before and after important trips and shows yeah you've been into yoga since i've known you you've even done like you you told me you're one of the first people to tell me about uh hot yoga mm-hmm. how often do you still do that not often but i'm about to start going back again yeah i took a, a long time break and i've been doing regular yoga you know here and there at my at my house but there's something about going to that hot room and you just recharge you sweat out all the toxins take your shoes off you take your phone off and you walk out of there half an inch taller with a smile on your face. Do you ever do like a steam room or a sauna? Mm-hmm. It's great. That's what I try to do that's after fun, the gym. But, you know, that's that's after the gym, it's good. But yoga is like, it's like giving yourself a massage. It's more satisfying yeah, than a massage. That makes sense. Yeah. What's the name of that place that we ate at that uh, that has, uh, oh, that, that great rap named after you. It's called the Mighty Jeff Ross. Oh, that's uh, you're talking about Eva's Health Food on Eighth uh, Street in New York City. Yeah, I love that. The place. Mighty Jeff Ross. The Mighty Jeff Ross. You can go get uh, a custom. What is it? A wrap? What is no, it? No, it's a. Uh, or is it a bowl? It's chicken and rice and uh, guacamole and non-fat mozzarella cheese all mixed together. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, we've had it a bunch with with tell cousin. The mighty, Ed. Tell them the Mighty Jeff Ross sent you. Yeah. Eva's. Eva's. Yeah. Uh, every time I've gone to New York, like almost every single time I've crashed at your place mm. in, uh, in, uh, your side room. And you've got this great thing, uh, that I really love that he has, a uh, on his wall, 
there's Sharpies uh, along the wall where <laughs> all the comics who have stayed in that room sign the wall afterwards. And there's a lot of talent that has, has come and crashed like along the way. It's yeah. pretty cool to see. Yeah. Have you gone in there recently and just kind of like ever looked like, oh, wow, there's, there's a bunch of people who I've hosted here. I love that. I love, I love guests. A lot of people don't love house guests. I love when people stay with me and it's like, it's like fun. Yeah. I have some funny memories of you waking up like half naked, looking at me <laughs> like, what, what? All jet lagged. And yeah. I'm like, where did it go? New York time. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Come on. You young kids, you can't keep up with me. It's pretty impressive. Your 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 schedule on the East Coast, you you live the rock star life. Like I have to gear up for it whenever because like the seller goes for so late and then there's always like these after parties in New York. Did you have to like kind of get used to that? Because you're pretty bi coastal. You're right. one of you're one of my few friends that truly lives a bi coastal mm -hmm. life. So when I go out there, I have to like kind of psych myself up like Okay, Jeremiah, you're not going to be sleeping too much. You're going to be riffing a lot in parking yeah. lots. You're going to be going to after parties. <laughs> yeah, no, I, New York is all night. And I was always like that. I love that. And I like late at night, you kind of have the city to yourself. The comedians can take over. Me and Dave Chappelle used to drive my Jeep down uh, the Fulton Fish Market back when it was in Manhattan. And it was lit up like daytime. And everybody, we'd watch everybody working all night providing fish for the entire city uh, probably this tri-state tri area but it was daytime for us it was our prime time so two three four five in the morning i love having the city to myself it's walking cool. through times square in the middle of the night it's awesome yeah one time it was like a hurricane or a tornado a snowstorm <clears throat> i'll just walk through the city i love it it's great some of my favorite memories in new york are have been when we've been doing roast battle out there or uh or just, just I happen to be visiting, but like it's pretty fun to be in another city with a group of friends. Like whenever me, Jamar, and Willie are out there with you, I just feel like we just are like owning the city, just yep. walking through in the middle of the night, going through the parks, and just kind of being as loud as we want, and nobody really cares because there's so many crazy people around. It's the best. We're gonna do that this weekend in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm We're looking forward over. to it. We're gonna take over San Fran. San Fran takeover cluster fest Friday night. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, will this post in time for people to know that? No, it will have already happened because oh, okay. the episode's already out for this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a great time. We had it. Fest. We killed it. It was so great. Jeremiah, you were hilarious. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. <laughs> the first time we actually met was through, kind of through a roast battle. We'd met multiple times, uh, through like... Tony or Benji or different people and different friends at the comedy store. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's kind of how we became close friends was working together on that show because mm. we were doing our thing every week. And then uh, you started coming in and, and you kind of like set like kind of rules and stuff. You kind of help flush certain things out to make it a little bit more organized and right. build it up to become a show. And then, you know, and then, it, and then it happened. I had to reel it in. You had to reel it in. It was pretty, I mean, it's now it's a controlled chaos, but before it was like pure chaos, just pure chaos. Well, the rules of roast battle, original material only, no physical contact and every battle ends with a hug. Those three commandments right there kept people from doing shitty 
stolen jokes or yo mama. People were still touching each other and poking yeah, each other. And which, as you know, somebody who roasts a lot of people, if you're if you're doing this, like while you're insulting somebody, those are those are like fighting words. That's what it becomes. Like whenever right. you're like, and another thing, right. people are like, what are you what are you doing to me? Right. Yeah. I can take the insults. Just stay away from me. Don't <laughs> yeah. touch me. Yeah. Unless you put your arm around me. Um, yeah, and that was it, man. Roast Battle gave me so many great friends, and you're at the top of the list. So I owe a lot to Roast Battle and that whole scene. I love doing it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we're going to be up in Montreal doing a, a tournament, and uh, and uh, we do it every night, every Tuesday night uh, here in Hollywood at the Belly Room. Yeah. And it's a worldwide movement. It is. I mean, now it's it's in multiple different countries now, and... It's it's kind of crazy. It's crazy. It was it was very surreal for me was uh when uh Julie Seabaugh wrote that book and I read it and I was reading it like you know just like any other book where it's like kind of documenting like documenting and like putting down on history kind of what happened and it's like this is us. This is me and my friends. This is yeah. so weird. It's beautiful, man. You're part of a you're part of something. What does she call it? The fourth pillar of comedy after stand up, improv, and sketch. Yeah. It's pretty you cool. did it, bud. It's good times. And now, dude, on to a uh, historical roast. That was a pretty, pretty, uh, pretty amazing experience. Thank you for being such a big part of it. Yeah. It was a great time. I mean, I, uh, you your know, fans know that you're in the band and you do sketches on the show and you're, we're in the writer's room and you're a big part of the. I don't, I don't think, uh, I've really talked about it too much. I kind of wanted to to wait until right. I had you on because right. like we we were thinking about doing this episode a while ago and you said, "Why don't we wait till after Historical Roast comes out?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then we can actually talk about kind of the some of the stuff that happened. Yeah. And, Push the views. Yeah. You know, because this is our our launch with Netflix, you know, stuff doesn't happen all at once. Once it comes out, that first month where we're at right now is is crucial. Yeah, very you important people, for the numbers. and Yeah, you want people to know it so that it keeps going. And we put a lot of comics and actors and musicians and Roast Battle fam to work on this show. Yeah, there's a lot of love that went into this and series. I, and I obviously didn't want it to look like Roast Battle at all. So shout out to the production design people and the director, Joel Gallen, and, and Michael yeah. Ratner, who went to great lengths to make sure it's it's a nod to roast battle but it's different yeah oh i it's so different even though like what's cool behind the scene wise you you walk into that writer's room and you're like whoa there's some heavy talent in here there's a lot of people who are really good at writing roast jokes right and then you add in the idea of history and the roast jokes become charged you know, now now they're not just about some celebrity, they're about slavery or the Holocaust or women's empowerment or coming out. Like they're 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 rich. The jokes are really pointed. Yeah. That's what was kind of cool for, for me to uh because I would pitch some jokes here and there in the writer's room and stuff like that and try to come up with some ideas. And what was kind of cool to to see about because, you know, obviously some of these historical topics are pretty touchy right? Uh, and people kind of steer w- away from them. You kind of leaned right into it and you're like, no, we're going to do, we're going to go there. Yeah. And it was kind of cool to see like, you know, there's stuff, obviously there's Holocaust jokes made, there's slavery jokes made. Uh, the, well, in case people don't know, we roast 
historical figures. Right. You know, sort of in a classic roast style. But also you end up learning quite a bit about yeah. each person. Right. So so there was the roast of Anne Frank. There's a roast What'd you of- learn about Anne Frank? It was more just, I mean, I think uh, I learned more about, because uh, I've never read The Diary of Anne Frank. So for somebody like me, who's coming at it completely ignorant of of that, like it's like I learned, I, I didn't know how old she was even. I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it creates a curiosity. It creates a curiosity where you're like, oh, okay, well, That's let me, the goal. let me look into this myself a little bit more, even right. after I. The goal is not to educate you about these issues or Anne Frank or Abe Lincoln or slavery or whatever. The goal was to create curiosity where you might go Google it or talk about it at a party and learn something else. Yeah. And, you know, she was only 15 when all this happened. People don't realize it. And people, did you even, honestly, did you know who she was? Yeah. Yeah. See, some people get her confused with Helen Keller. Uh, Bert Kreischer has an amazing bit about how he always confused them and he went... (laughs) (laughs) You you gotta see him do this bit. It's so funny. He actually, he created it at a stand-up on the spot. Like, somebody yelled it out. He goes, oh, I always thought... I thought uh, Anne Frank was Helen Keller. And he just launches into the story about how he went with his fraternity brothers. Like, like you, yeah, it's... I I don't want to mess it up, but it's, it's so fun. Yeah, so I wanted to just sort of, you know, it's giving voice to the voiceless, which I always love with the roast shows I do, and 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 highlighting issues I care about that people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily be thinking about when they watch a comedy show. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It it was a lot of fun. I uh, so one of the things that I haven't really talked about. So Avery Pearson and I did not only the band and the music for the the show, but we did the crowd warm up every night and it was it's some of my favorite memories yet in comedy and honestly it's some of the hardest it's one of the hardest shows i've ever had to do why so it was mainly the first one and it was all the staging and it was you you learn as you go we fixed it the second night on but the way it was set up uh the audience is facing this way straight towards the stage. And meanwhile, uh, Avery and I are wired in. We don't have wireless mics the first night. So we're literally on the side where people are having to turn their heads to even look at us. Mm. So we are almost like elevator music. It's just like kind of like background noise that's going on. But we're trying to corral people and get people excited. And we were out there the first night because we didn't... Everything wasn't set as far as schedules because right. so they're like oh we'll definitely start at eight we didn't start at eight so we ended up doing 45 minutes of <laughs> crowd warm-up and it was one of the hardest shows i've ever had to do what kind of what were you saying or tell we jokes? were singing we were telling jokes we were grabbing people interacting with them trying to get any energy going to keep the ball up in the air so we are like it's so funny the first night all the netflix execs are there and Avery and I are bombing right. <laughs> like so bad. So we start when we started commenting on how hard the situation, how hard the room was and how hard we were bombing. We started killing with the Netflix and the whole crowd because they're like, yeah, these guys actually are kind of in a hard, tough spot. They're off to the side where we can't. It's hard for us to even look at them. So when we acknowledged what was going on and that's all like kind of comedy store training is just being present and in the moment and finding a way to connect with the audience. So that was uh, that was one of my favorite memories on the show. Also, uh, 
the the Abe Lincoln Hold on, episode. You have to remember the audience and is also dressed up. They're dressing period. So they're clothing. part of the show. So they're even harder to sort of wrangle. Yeah, because they, they're also feeling like, well, I'm part of this. I'm not just some audience member. Right. Like I have a stake in this. Like right. I'm I'm an actor. Like right. and there was a lot of actors who came out to support <laughs> that uh, they came out to the show. So yeah, it was uh it was so it's not only difficult for that because everybody's dressed in the same era so it's not it's actually makes it harder to kind of riff off the crowd when every everybody's dressed in a similar <laughs> period way. right so it's, it's like even you know when i riff i roast people a little bit like with crowd work and stuff you could only do that to a point because people are kind of looking at you like yeah man we're all dressed up for the same reason yeah and you're like oh okay this is <laughs> it's like when i try to do a, a speed roast uh, when I'm doing a show for the military out overseas in the war zone, they're all wearing the same outfit. Same haircut. Same haircut, same outfit, same story. It's tricky. Yeah. Do you have any tools like in your back pocket that you're like, okay, well, maybe I can do this. If you got to go to the job. You got to go, what's your job here and where you're from? You got to go to the stuff that- Are they ranking it? and stuff like that? Which is always a little harder, but they all know each other. So that part, same, the inside stuff, if you can dig it out of them, is amplified. People will la love yeah. that. So, you, you, but you can't go for the obvious, you know, uh, cosmetic, their appearance, the right. optics of it, the way a roast, you love making fun of some guy's big ears or, sure, you know, you can go there, but the outfit is always my go-to and there's no outfit. Do you ever do a military uh, roast and then somebody's like, you hit them with a zinger and then they're like, oh, hell no. Nah. <laughs> Yo, man, that's not cool what you just did to me, Jeff Ross. Why are you roasting me like this, dog? Volunteers only. I won't roast you unless you're a volunteer. Sir, you came up on stage. I know I came up here on stage, but damn, Jeff, you got me bad. Well, you know, you shouldn't have worn uh, sandals that don't fit. Hey, man, I just wanted to wear my flip-flops with my fatigues. Is that a problem? <laughs> Why are you roasting? I'm, man, I'm, yeah, I do have athlete's foot. Is that an issue with you? Come on, man. Why you give me so bad? I take it back. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were so sensitive. Oh, man, you a pussy, man. You taking it back? What you doing? That's why your toes are going in two different directions. Oh, man, he got me again, man. <laughs> Just whenever I think the tiger is going to go back to the cage, he pounces back on me like a Siegfried and Roy concert. What's going on, man? All right, that's wild, dude. <laughs> What is that machine there? That's cool. This is you have this at your disposal. So there's different filters and stuff on here. So here, play around with it a little bit. This is what's fun about this show. Obviously, you know, it's part interview, but it's it's part just hang out and riff and and it's just a playground in here. So like these Hello. are so oh so oh Jeff Ross is calling into the show. Hey Jeremiah, I'm really sorry. I, I'm gonna be late. Hey, you were late actually. Yeah, yeah. What's uh what's what's the holdup? I had uh like three better things to do. <laughs> Really? Okay. Uh, I had to take the garbage out. Okay. Yeah, the, well, okay. Now I'm really curious about the other two because that the top one is a priority, of course. My dog was feeling really emotional. And I, <laughs> I needed to just pet her for like an hour. Your dog was just not feeling it. So you was it a look that it was given you, or what? what? No, I promised her I'd do her podcast first. <laughs> so your your dog's podcast is ahead of mine. Okay, that's cool. That's good to know. And then I had some. Um, Okay. Well, uh, when should I expect you here at the show? Um, I'll be there as soon as you finish setting up those seven microphones, three cameras, video monitor, and these stupid toys. 
<laughs> okay, uh, well, I'll, I'll see you in about three hours then. Are you going to be dressed like you're in sixth grade? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you come. <laughs> Only if you, you come, if you promise to come a little bit late, then yes, I, I, I will dress like I'm in sixth grade. All right, whatever you do, don't trim your hair. Okay, perfect. <laughs> I actually just got a haircut today. Is that right? Yeah. You did it yourself? Yeah. With a knife? <laughs> <laughs> Straight razor, right across. By the way, uh, for you audio listeners, Jeff is literally dressed like a human giraffe right now. He has no room to, to comment on how I look like a sixth grader. It's true. I have a shirt. <laughs> Hold on. What's this one? Oh, wait, wait. So these are your quickies right here. So, so. <gasps> Jeff, why are, how'd you get stuck at the bottom of that well? Um, it's a long story. Hey, I love you. Hi, wouldn't it be nice if we were funnier? <clears throat> Hi, Tito. I love, I love letting people just play and just watching them. Loop ping pong. Is he still doing comedy? Loop ping pong. <laughs> Loop ping pong. <laughs> Yeah, he he's still out there. He's a little hacky though. That's a singing. That's that's like an auto tune one. Oh, I like it. So like, try to sing a little something. Is this the little girl I carry? Is this the little girl at play? <laughs> I don't remember growing older. <laughs> You're the only person that auto tune doesn't work on. <laughs> did they sunrise, sunset, when sunrise, sunrise and sunset. <laughs> Oh, this one's perfect for me. I oh, well, we I got mother flipping Popeye in the building. I am what I am, and that's what I am. Wow, you really fell off the wagon, Popeye. <laughs> it's like if Popeye stopped eating spinach and started drinking nacho cheese. Better quit it before I pop you in the eye. Oh, you got me good with that one, Popeye. <laughs> This is really fun, Jeremiah. Right? I'm glad I canceled my meeting with Martin Scorsese to be here. <laughs> no, it was great. What's the craziest director you've ever worked with? Because you've you've worked with you've worked with some pretty cool people over the years. Um, craziest director? Yeah. I mean, like biggest or like really crazy? It can be either one. It might be the same one. I don't know. I don't think I think I don't think about it like that. I have a lot of friends that are big did, directors. Did you do, did you, when was the last time you were on a shoot and you're like, oh, this is, uh, this is kind of crazy. I was on Sneaky Pete on Amazon. Okay. And I did like two episodes in the beginning of the season. Yeah. And they brought me back for three episodes at the end of the season. Okay. And in between, um, one of the main actors died, Ricky J. In real life? Yeah. Oh, wow. And all the writers quit. Eight writers or nine writers quit. Because he passed away? No. And then 
the star of the show, Giovanni Rabisi, had twins. Right, like in the middle of a shoot day, and I was doing a scene with him, and his wife was going into labor, and I had to like do everything in one take and nail it perfectly. And this is an intense drama, so that was a really crazy shoot. How did you get there? For that yet, scene? the show came out great. How did how did you get there for the scene? Whenever they're telling you all this stuff, like, hey, we we don't have time. Like, like what what you know kind of turned inside of you? Um, I'm always good under pressure. Used to performing live audiences and live television. You know, I'm not an actor in that way. But like, you're able to rise to the occasion kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And I knew my lines. And the scene happened to be where, for the first time, my character was really befriending and giving some compassion to Giovanni's character who really was in trouble. So Giovanni wasn't in trouble, but he was really nervous and anxious. He's having, you know, twins in in within hours. His wife is going into labor. And, uh, and, uh, so it play it worked for the scene. I was able to be his pal when he needed a pal, and he was able to work off me, and it wound up being a really good experience. I haven't actually watched the whole season yet. I'm only halfway through, so I haven't seen those scenes yet. But Sneaky Pete season three. What a I so I haven't seen the show. Do you know how to like give me a synopsis of the show? Oh yeah, it's about Sneaky Pete Giovanni Rabisi, who's a great actor, top shelf actor, and it's a great cast. Um, it's created by Brian Cranston, among other people. Oh, cool. And um, if you like Breaking Bad, you'll probably like this show. It's pretty dark, but it also has little tinges of comic relief here and there. Um, it's about con men. Giovanni Ribisi plays um, his own self, plus Pete, as a guy he met meets in jail and then adopts his persona he steals his friend pete's from j his cellmate's pers um identity okay comes out of jail and then becomes this guy pete so that he he can run cons he's a con man so eventually pete becomes sneaky yes okay and uh i play one of the marks that they take advantage of what's a mark like a guy that they scam okay i like that yeah that's cool as hell jeff ross that's a great part yeah, yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, can I tell you uh, uh, one of my favorite memories from uh, being in between in the crowd for a historical roast? Of course. All right. There was this moment where Bob Saget and John Stamos were on stage together, right? And I look over at Avery Pearson, mm. and it's time for us to play some music because they cut we're trying to keep the energy up, right? Mm -hmm. And Avery starts to play. I know right away what it is. The first three notes of the Full House right. theme song. And I look at Avery and he looks back at me. And I'm like, are we doing this right now? <laughs> and he's like, oh, hell yeah. And, I'm like, and he goes, and then I'm like, are we? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I don't know if we... And I'm like, yeah. And then we did it. And then we ended up singing the Full House theme. I don't remember this. To John Stamos and Bob Saget. Wow. And the audience went nuts because obviously they're all fans of their work. Right. And uh, and I told... After we ended it, I looked at John Stamos and I go... Thanks for letting me do that, man. That's 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 like a dream come true. I've always wanted to sing that song to you. And Bob Saget looks over me and goes, "What am I, chopped liver?" 
<laughs> Why did you say it to Stamos? Because he happened to he was giving me more like oh. eye contact and whatever. Right. And Bob was there too, obviously. But right. he's like, "Come on, what are you? I'm here too." Well, that's what Bob does. He'll yeah, hang that, back just so he can pretend to be insulted. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. And you were great on historical roast. You also played um, Delilah. Uh, Delilah, Freddie Mercury's cat. Made famous in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. We wanted to humanize Freddie, you know, beyond all the obvious things that uh, with his career and learn a little bit about his personal uh, habits and his personal life back when he wasn't on tour. And he used to call his cat Delilah from the road and he loved his cat. Um, so I love Jeremiah. So I asked Jeremiah if he would be Delilah and you killed it. That was a pretty funny phone call. I think Jeff, uh, I think uh, you from the past is actually calling in to uh, to offer me uh, the. You got a second? Sorry, I'm at work. I just have a second. I want to answer something real quick. Are you around on the twenty third? Uh, yeah, I, I I think so. Yeah, what what's going on, Jeff? Uh, we have a part on the Netflix show. Um, the historical figure. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, what's up? Um. Mercury's career. Freddie Mercury. Okay, great. A big fan of Queen. I love it. Yeah. Uh, there's no lines. Uh, there's lots of sounds and licking. There's no lines. Sounds and licking. Um, okay, what uh, what uh, what is it? You're playing his cat, Delilah. Um, you don't have to answer me now. You want me to call your agent? Nah, no, 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 no. Uh, Jeff. Um, Hopefully the show will have nine lives. <laughs> Jeff, whatever. Jeremiah, don't be a pussy. Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, honestly, whatever, whatever you need, buddy. I love you. Whatever's best for the show, I'm here for you. That means so much, buddy. Yeah. I'll send you the script. It's one line. It's <laughs> <laughs> it smells like piss. Perfect. <laughs> Call me. I'll see you roast battle. All right. I'll see you. <laughs> All right. See you. <laughs> some of that, some of that is, is how it went down. Of course. For sure. Yeah. Of course. I had to do that all day. I had to call all my friends and offer them crazy roles. I know. Right. Nikki Glazer talks about how I called her up and I offered her the role of Princess Diana. Oh, really? Because I just thought, you know, I mean, she would kind of upend Princess Diana, who was so like a saint and Nikki could come up there and roast and talk shit and. It'd be a funny twist on Princess Diana. And then we decided that through the research, we saw that Kurt Cobain had mentioned Freddie Mercury in his suicide note. And I was like, oh, man, Kurt Cobain, that'd be a cool character to get there. And then um, I, I heard um, Nikki Glaser talking about depression, I think, on the Howard Stern show and how to, she deals with depression. And I was like, oh, that's a theme in Kurt Cobain's speech. And I told our casting director, just send an offer to Nikki as Kurt Cobain and don't tell her I switched it from Princess Diana. So she, of course, got the offer, thought it was wrong. Real, her agent said, no, they're very clear. It's Kurt Cobain. And Nikki sort of laughing and said, OK. And she said she really got empowered by being a man. She really liked being a man. Yeah, she, uh, I saw some of her interviews like on Conan and stuff. She said that she enjoyed not having to put on like makeup or anything like that. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty fun show. And and uh, Fortune Feimster wound up playing a really delicious Princess Diana. She's Just hilarious. So funny. She's so, She was killing it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Seth Green plays uh, David Bowie in yep. your episode. And mm-hmm. and a lot of really talented people on Historical Roast. And our pal Avery, who wrote the theme song and wrote a lot of the... You know, what we would do is the writers and I, we would write a roast. And then, then we would hand it over to Avery, who would then turn the roast jokes into music, into a song. So you'll see Freddie Mercury's rebuttal is a musical rebuttal. And, you know, uh, he wrote great songs for Bridget Everett, who plays... Uh, the goddess Isis, the god of femininity, yeah. on the Cleopatra episode, and she kills it. I, what, uh, another highlight for me: uh, Avery wrote a, a song uh, with some of the other writers for uh, for Josh Homie, who played uh, Elvis mm-hmm. from Queens of the Stone Age, and uh, I got to play guitar for Josh. Sounded great on that episode. Sounded great, and that was like such a huge highlight for me. I'm like, this is crazy. This right. is, and we happened to. Like I'm it, the king. I'm the king. I'm the king. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's a great it's a great show. I hope people love it as much as we made loved making it. So you've seen so you've seen me, Jamar, and Willie do some pretty insane things with the wave over mm-hmm. the years. Has there ever been one that stuck out that you're like, Oh, I think they might have gone too far? On roast battle. On roast battle. Where the weight Well, you can never go too far at roast battle, but I'm control freak i like knowing what's going on ahead of time yeah because i always have some other agenda you know sure you're running you're, a show you're it's he jeff is like well you'll know about him after working with him anybody like with with the way your mind works it's like a big chessboard. i feel like and you're always looking three or four moves ahead right and like if this happens i'm gonna counter with this and mm. if that happens like i don't know that's how i kind of see how you look at at things like that interesting but yeah can continue so, you know, when you guys would rehearse without me or I would see it, you know, as it was happening and I'd go, you know, this, is this the one that gets us canceled? Is this the one that gets us sued? Is this, you know, cause roast battles, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's physically dangerous. Jeremiah will leap on and off his other castmates. Yeah. And you guys will have blindfolds on and foam and water in your faces and you know, you're half naked, you got no shoes on, you're tripping over wires, and it's these fat old camera guys don't know what the fuck's happening. So, you know, it, there, there's a certain part of me as the son of a caterer who goes like, I'm liable for this, <laughs> right? Like, Jeremiah, like, you know, you're, I've seen you fall really hard at roast yeah. battle, and, and, and we've had injuries at roast battle, you know? There's been a handful. So, yeah, uh... There's comedy, but before we even get to the comedy, I'm like, is this safe and is this legal? Because, you know, you shave your pubes one time without running it by anybody. And I'm not someone who tells somebody what to do with their body. But if you're going to do it in front of seven cameras and a few hundred people on a premiere live show. Yeah. As the executive producer, I would like to know about it ahead of time. So shaving your pubes was probably up there. What, so what was your response when, when that happened right away? What, what were you laughing or were you worried right away whenever, whenever that was happening? If I'm, if I'm caught off guard, it's very hard for me to laugh. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're, so what's going through your head? I wanna, then I'm playing I, chess going, what's my next move? What, what do I say? What do I, how, is there a disclaimer I can say that will help their joke not get cut? You know, is there something I can do to yes and their crazy moment? Yeah. So I stay in it. 
I stain it as a comedian. And then the producer in me tries to clean it up afterwards. What was do you that that night? What do you remember any of the the talks that w- that were going on about that? Like yeah, backstage? hey Jeff, did you know Jeremiah was going to shave his pubes? <laughs> and I said, you know what? I I figured he'd shaved them years ago. What do you mean? And uh, you know, I'm not a hairy person, so I can relate. Right. <laughs> but uh, I just remember it's always there were a lot of conversations, and there still are always about the wave and. Sometimes they're controversial. Do they help the battlers? Do they hurt the battlers? Is it a good experience uh, for the audience at home the way it is for the people in the room? Is the wave um, distracting? Are they are they uh, are they going to uh, do something so provocative that I can't use it? You know, I I've seen the Willie drop babies from the balcony. You know, dolls, but. It, in the moment, you don't know it's a doll, you know, <laughs> you know so it's a lot happening. Yeah, we did a Michael Jackson bit where uh, Willie was dressed as Michael Jackson and he had blanket and just dropped the baby. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't know what's coming, it's a lot to look at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it keeps it rich for me. It keeps it um, on its toes. I love the way. You know, what's funny is like we obviously are pretty split online as far as like the feedback we get. Dude. I go and mo- like almost every city that I go to in America, whether it's with my standup or with podcasting through Kill Tony or or the Comedy Jam, every city, anytime I meet people in person, they're like, I love the wave. See? But it's it's so funny, like the trolls online, like like say otherwise. But like anytime I meet people in person, they're like, it's like it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Well, you know, I look at a lot of research. Comedy Central shares all kinds of stuff with me. And you have to remember, um, it's a little bit like wrestling. You'll see a ton of negative stuff, but those people that are taking the time to write something negative are the biggest fans. Yeah. So they're shit talking the way you do at Roast Battle or in wrestling. They're they're such big fans of of the rest of the show that they need something to roast. Sure. So they go online. I mean, I get it all the time. Like people will, you know, is your, is it ever hard to look at your Instagram or something because you're known as the roast man? You're fat, you're ugly, you're blah, blah, blah. You have no talent. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm constantly being roasted, but since I consider roasts a form of affection and love, I'm okay with it. And occasionally a, a sharp joke would jump out and make me laugh. But for the most of the time, it's, yeah, I mean, has some, it has anyone ever gotten you like in person or online where you're like, "Ooh, that one." I, I'm nah. not no. I'd be a hypocrite. Nah. That's a good that's a good mentality yeah, to have. No. Let it roll off. And if somebody's back. somebody's not trying to be funny but actually trying to be mean, I don't even I don't I don't block them. I let them drift off to sea as if I never saw it. I would never want anyone to know that they affected that they even got seen. Sometimes I'll look and go, oh, they have three followers and and all they do is tweet negative shit at people. So these, I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of knowing they, that I saw it. Huh. I have friends who block people and they engage with these people and I'm like, I got better things to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want to get into this next segment. It's called The Kindness Challenge. Huh. What was the last segment called? That was just us hanging and, and talking. Great. <laughs> oh, is do we? Um, Hello. Yeah, I, 
I, I don't want this part to be on the podcast. I'm just giving you a heads up that um, I really enjoyed the first part of the podcast. I'm going to come back in now. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> we we might have to keep that in there. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so every week on the podcast, uh, I challenge the listeners as well as myself to do something nice for somebody out of the kindness of their heart. It doesn't have to be big. It can be something small. It can be for a stranger or it can be for somebody that you know, as long as you're contributing something positive to society. It's a way to uh, create a positive momentum out there. Love it. And people send in uh, letters and stuff, and I, I read them on the show. And uh, Let's stay positive. Positivity Fairy is, is here with us. Pa, pa, positive. Positivity Fairy, uh, now it's been a while since you came on the show. Uh, do you have anything, any updates that you'd like to share with us? I love you and all your listeners. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah, the Positivity Fairy uh, really doesn't say anything other than compliments uh, on the show. Uh, do you have anything else to add before you go? Your haircut sucks. Wait, Positivity Fairy, uh, you usually are more positive. Like, usually you say that you like it. Exceptions are positive. <laughs> Wait, is that an addendum to your positivity Bible that's going on? I only rose the ones I love. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> are you positivity? Are you, uh, not that it's my business, but what, what gender are you? You went from pretty vocally high to pretty low register. Yeah, man. Fairies don't have genders, bro. You just call me bro as a fairy? <laughs> I would never think that that, that a fairy... Just call me a fairy, motherfucker. I didn't... No, I didn't mean to call you... Can I not call you the F word? What, what should I call you? Call me... Larry. Okay, I'll call you Larry instead of fairy. That's fine. Thank you. Oh, you're back to having... The, the the high register <laughs> voice again. Um, you you must be. Are you uh are you fairy fluid? I'm fairy fluid. Yes. Fairy fluid. Yeah, your voice, your vocal. I'm register. Larry the fairy. Larry the fairy. Okay, Larry the fairy. So you'd rather you prefer me to call you Larry rather than just a blanket statement calling you fairy. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Don't generalize. Don't put me in a box. I won't put you in a box. Uh, my apologies. You know what? Uh, that was a positivity fairy, Larry, who just, uh, who just kind of took over the show for a second. I'm going to, I'm going to read, um, this letter. Let's spread some positivity. That's when Jeff Ross blacked out. <laughs> so I started to wonder uh, if I read a, a letter in the voice. Uh, I don't know what they sound like or look like. So I was like, oh, what do they sound like? I'll, I'll read it in the voice what I think they might sound like. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> hey, Jeremiah, I wanted to tell you about something I did to help someone out. It's hard not to think of it as bragging, but I'm just hoping to inspire others to spread a little sunshine out there. Nice. I was going to lunch the other day and passed a homeless young man who 
was sitting on a sidewalk. He asked me if I had any change, and I honestly, I had none. I took a few steps, stopped, and turned around to ask him if he wanted to join me for a shawarma. Before I even finished my sentence, he was on his feet. I let him order, paid for it, and we ate lunch together. He told me a story of how he got there, what he was hoping to do with his life, and how he was going to get there. I think it did him good to be seen and heard rather than to be dismissed with the uh, gift of a small amount of change. When we finished, we parted ways with a handshake. I hope others can do the same for someone. Oliver Smith. Beautiful story. That's a nice story, right? Larry? I love shawarma stories. <laughs> you love shawarma? Is that because you're a fairy or just because you just love food? Food. Okay. Food. Glorious food. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's something uh, I like uh, pe when people write in letters because it kind of like gives people, other people who listen to this or watch this a chance to kind of be like, oh, I could be maybe doing, contributing something. Sure. And putting something out there. Can you think of something recently that you may have done that would qualify as like a kindness challenge? Whew. I haven't thought about this. I mean, I feel like I try to show kindness over selfishness all the time in my life. Yeah. Make donations to charities and, and I don't really think about it when I'm doing it. It's more like second it's, nature. It's more of like a second nature at this point. That's mm -hmm. great. And I don't want to toot my own horn either, but I try to be a kind person. Right. I kind of have to be. If you're going to roast, be the roast guy, you're stuck in people thinking you're mean. Well, so for any of it to play. Some people than, lean into it though, like Jezelnik. Right. He leans into it where he's like, no, I'm, I'm a dick. Like I'm like, you know. Right. That wouldn't work for me, I don't think. I don't think it would either. Yeah. Cause like the way like the way you are off stage, you're such a nice, fun guy. It'd be hard to be like Hey asshole. Right. Yeah. It this is like No, I really do turn it off. Like I, 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 I really aren't roasty all the time. Is it hard sometimes when you meet strangers when they're kind of like, come on, give it to me. Does that get old? It doesn't get old. I mean, I consider it a compliment and it's a credit to the, my reputation, but people, I mean, I'm pretty good at diffusing it. And sometimes it's, it's kind of nice because I can just be mean to get rid of them. <laughs> nice icebreaker. Yeah. Or removal service. Yeah. You know, hey, roast me, roast me. My my brother is in the bathroom. When he comes out, roast to me. Just got out of jail. I get that a lot. <laughs> you know, just at the like airport springing, or the mall. Springing them on people. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. You got to be careful because not everybody can take a joke. They got to volunteer. That is very true. Uh, let's get into this next segment, fanning out. Fanning out. You, you know you. Fanning out, you know you be fanning out right now. Okay, let's do it. Fanning out, fanning out. So, uh, let's try this one. Uh, okay, at Carl underscore man. Uh, where's the first room you performed in, and what's your favorite current room? The first room I ever performed in. Yeah, that's a stand-up. Mm -hmm. Um, ye old triple in. Ye old triple N. 54th Street in New York City. No longer there. Uh, open mic, March 31st, 1989. But I didn't get on until after midnight. So April Fool's Day, 1989. Uh, I followed a bongo player. You followed a bongo player? Yeah. It was an open mic, like a true open mic where you had 
all sorts of performers. All right, that's my time. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I hope you like the bongo playing. And there is more comedian coming up after me. Please welcome Jeff Liftschultz. <laughs> uh, how you doing, folks? Uh, give it up for the bongo player. Hey, it's me, bongo player. Boom boom. Hey folks, thanks for coming. My name's Jeff Livschultz. That's an old Hebrew word. It means, hey, you ought to change that. <laughs> That's what it was like. Hey, let me play my bangles. <laughs> well, did it go well or was it rough the first time? The first one was great. That's how mine was. The first the one was 30 like, were terrible. Yep. That's pretty much mine were like There's a lot, a lot of luck involved in those open mics. If the first one went bad, I might not have gone back. Yeah. It wasn't my dream or anything. I didn't need it. So I was doing it for fun, for social life, to meet women, to have something to do. Did do you have any buddies who went with you? Like, I'm yeah. gonna go up too. Yeah. Well, my buddy Mark Chapin talked me into trying it at all. And my friend Mark Hinkis and my and Marcy um, Cohn, they my high school pet friends came with me. I didn't even invite them; they just sort of snuck in. Yeah, they knew I'd be nervous. So, how old were you? You said high school. Twenty three. Twenty three. Wow. Yeah, this was like a year or two after college. Okay. So you were were you being the kind of like the funny guy? I mean, you have you was that you? Were no. you roasty? It was just something that you wanted to do later on. Well, I didn't even want to do it. My friend Mark thought I could do it and suggested it as a hobby. Okay. He, he had been doing it. We're now is this a buddy who took karate with you back in the day? No, we were in, we went to film school at Boston University together. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Karate, film school, baker's son, caterer's son. Caterer's son, excuse yeah. me. That's pretty cool. That's cool. a lot that's a lot of different notches of a human being. It all adds up to making me the comedian, the person that I am. It's really crazy. A lot of happy accidents. Well, some of my so one of my favorite things when uh you do my show stand up on the spot is when you actually tell personal stories because my favorite thing is is when comics do things that are that they usually don't do on stage uh, on that show. Mm -hmm. It lends itself a, a, kind of a comfortability to try things out and experiment. And you've told some great family stories that yeah. I kind of, I'm, me as a fan and and knowing you as long time as a, as a friend and seeing you know all the roast specials and stuff that you've put out stand up wise or the the Comedy Central roast. It's really cool when. I hear you do funny stories about family and stuff because it's such a different kind of a muscle because mm. the the roasting and, and stand up is kind of like one genre and then and then hearing the family stuff and the personal stuff is another one. So I I'm hoping as a fan that that you'll eventually do a special that's just about family stuff. Wow. I think that would be amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah. People keep mentioning stuff like that to me cuz before I did the roasts at all or even really knew what the roasts were um, I did that. I, I, I was sort of struggling as a stand-up, and I started telling family stories at alternative comedy rooms about my grandfather mostly, yeah. my early childhood, my early days, and karate, and catering, and, and that was the direction I was kind of going into, a more of a theatrical performer, one-man show type thing. I did, it was very well received at the Aspen Comedy Festival, and and different arenas like that. 
and I really thought that that was going to be it. I was going to be more in the in the in the play, you know, like like what Mike Morbigli is doing so well right now. Yeah, on Broadway, he's so cool to watch. Yeah, and when I was an open micer, Eric Bogosian had an off Broadway show, and John Leguizamo and Dennis Leary, and that was kind of a nice trend in comedy. And I really thought, at, just as I was starting to go into that direction with some success, made a development deal and stuff like that. Um, roasting sort of grabbed me and sort of wouldn't let me go. And the friars sort of adopted me and asked me to start producing those roasts. And it was like instant um, fun and exposure and not nearly as lonely and and sad, if you will, of, of thinking about my history and my past. I didn't have to go inward so, so much. Instead of being self-deprecating, I became all deprecating. Yeah. <laughs> sort of making fun of the world at large. And maybe, you know, maybe I'll get back to that someday. But yeah. It's been more fun to just be the roast guy or, or, or bump mics with David Tell or, or run a writer's room at the historical roast and sure. do more collaborative stuff. I mean, you know me, I'm all about ensemble stuff. So yeah. it's, it's, it's super fun and gratifying when you get to, to be able to do that. But yeah, like you said, and thank you, I'll, I'll eventually... When it all sort of slows down, I'll do something about me. Yeah. That'd be cool to see. Your uh, your uncle, uh, Herb Larson? My grandfather, Your Herbie. grandfather, saxophone player. Uh-huh. You have, uh, there's this, uh, Jeff has at his place, it's, I could see this picture literally hanging anywhere. It, it, it's, it, it's literally a slice of time, like an era, like he's holding this great sax, he's this, he's this big guy. And you, it's just like this, the, like the way it's shot. I don't know who took that photo, but I love that, hmm. that picture of, of your grandfather. It's and so his, cool. And his Latin band. And his Latin band. It's, it's just so, it's so cool. Herb Larson Orchestra. He was a caterer and a band leader. And he, you have- uh, He has a couple albums out. And you have his uh, old sax hanging in New York, right? Yeah. In your New York yeah. place? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I mounted it up on the wall in New York. I love it. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Love sax players, man. Yeah, man. Good, Maybe. good people. Uh, this is this is funny. At Cat Toy seventy eight. Uh, what exactly do you see in Jeremiah, Jeff? Oh, what is that? <laughs> they setting me up to make fun of you? Maybe I don't know. They, they they said how do you, how, how did you two meet and start doing all these shows? I together? see a shark fin attached to a funny guy. <laughs> Um, I love Jeremiah's work ethic. I love his sense of humor. I love that he's collaborative. I like that he listens and can take direction, but yet also take a leadership role in one of his own shows. Uh, he's a nice guy and, uh, he attracts nice people and he always makes me look smart because if I do talk him into doing something on one of my shows, he always makes me look good because he always kills. I make sure anytime always you recommend me for anything that I it's lights out swing for the fences because and I I take that very seriously anytime somebody recommends me for something in the business like I'm I show up and I'm like let let's go yeah let's. and vice versa when you ask me to do stuff on course on this or you stand up on the spot I try to yeah we did a, for you. we did a couple of years uh, we showcased uh, stand up on the spot out in Montreal a couple of years that was super fun yeah that was great man. Uh, 
I love this question. At Greg Flores, who would Jeff want to MC the roast of Jeff Ross? Whew. Isn't that a great question? Mm. Who would you want as your MC that night? Wow. Um, so many. That's really tricky. I don't know. I don't know. All right. I'd have to MC my own roast. Interesting. Has anyone ever done that? No, I don't think so. Be pretty fun. <laughs> Wouldn't that defeat the purpose a little bit, though? I also love some of the comedians that I started doing the roast with. You know, Jimmy Kimmel, Sarah Silverman, Adam Carolla. I wish that they would do uh, every once in a while. A, you know what I mean? Well, every once in a while they do. You know, Sarah will show up. She was at the James Franco roast and Jimmy Kimmel's hosted a whole bunch of them. I think it all comes around. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do. But the, but those two in particular, we did the Pam Anderson roast together. We did a, a bash on MTV of Carson Daly. There's probably some YouTube footage of that. Um, Jimmy and I wrote, and Sarah, we all roasted Hugh Hefner weeks after 9-11. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of roast history with my friends and I. Is there any newer up and comers that you could maybe see coming on to do like the uh, some of these new ones? Of course, I mean now with roast battle and 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 the, and obviously Tony and and you know at any time you see somebody who cares about roasting that much, you want to see them keep doing it. I love when funny new people come in a roast world. Yeah, well, you've always been super encouraging of new talent and letting them flourish and stuff. Sarah Tiana would be great on a roast. She would be. Tony Hinchcliffe obviously would be a killer on a roast. Have you seen his Snoop Dogg roast? Yeah, it's great. Oh my goodness. It's incredible. Um, Have you ever made anyone cry via roast at Ichabod's Bucket? Um, Well, I don't know if I directly led to it, but there is a famous story of Danny Aiello crying at his Friars Club roast. (laughs) he was um roasted in front of all his friends as in the friars club in new york and a long time ago and his new tv show della ventura had just come out and there's bus ads and billboards and tons of promotion and the roasts are you have to be there early in the morning and then about noon you walk out by one o'clock the roast starts it's a luncheon and he had not read the reviews to his new show. But our friend Richard Belzer, who's very involved in the roasts at the Friars Club, he broke out the New York Post, the Daily News, the New York Times, started reading the reviews, and Danny Aiello started crying. <laughs> and I, I, I added insult to injury. I said, Danny, the acting that you do on Della Ventura is so over the top, they should call it Ace Della Ventura. <laughs> A lot of jokes like that. So, yeah. yes, Danny did cry. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Sometimes sometimes it does By go the way, that shout place. out to one of the best actors ever, the great Danny A. Love you. Uh, this one comes from uh, at Mikey Wakefield on Instagram. What's Jeff's number one coolest person that has ever lived or maybe your top three? I would shit my pants if you asked him. Well, there you go, Mikey. You owe me a poop in your pantsies. What's the, what's the question? <laughs> uh, what's Jeff's number one coolest person that has ever lived? Or maybe top three. Like, hmm. So just anybody who you're like, oh, this this person qualifies as one of the coolest persons. The two that ever come lived. to my head are George Washington and Bob Dylan. 
I don't know why. How come George Washington? Well, one thing I learned when we're doing historical roasts, even though we did not have not done George Washington yet, that he was, um, he rejected a lot of uh, titles for himself as the first president of the United States. He wanted it to be clear that he was not a king. If you'd only known kings. Right. It was obvious that he would, he won the war. He beat yeah. the, he would be the king of America. Yeah, king Washington. Or he didn't whatever. want that. Yeah. And they king had other George. similar names. And he said, I want to be the president. And when they offered him a third term, he rejected it and said, I don't want people to think that I'm a king or a dictator. Huh. And I always thought, wow, what a sacrifice. What yeah. a, what a noble gesture. Being able to go out on top, knowing when your, your time has run its course. And then for whatever reason, many reasons, I always loved Bob Dylan. I always thought it was cool how he stays true to who he is. He doesn't care. He's an oddball. He writes poetry. He writes music that moves me, moves a generation. And is still touring, uh, you know, six or seven decades into the business. He's like a comic. Did you like Donovan at all? I mean, I, I like his songs. Yeah. I feel like there's two camps of people who... <laughs> I don't know that much about Donovan. Mellow Yellow? You like Mellow Disney? Yellow. Yeah. Well, people. some people think that Donovan kind of ripped off Bob Dylan's sound or vice versa. It's like, you know. It's like the monkeys and the Beatles kind of thing. But Bob Dylan is not sitting around worried about Donovan. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I think Paul McCartney woke up today on his 74th birthday and was like, oh, fucking monkeys didn't exist we yeah, would have been big yeah, what's going on with the monkeys <laughs> hey yeah, but they put out a show or something like it's called it's called the monkeys or something like that i don't know <laughs> they said like hey hey we're the monkeys and i didn't like that they used the word hey we you know we kind of use that a lot you know, on our stuff well oh who, who, who's this that's your manager i must let you know that we have filed an injunction against the monkeys for stealing your sound. Oh, really? Thank you so much. We really needed that. <laughs> we need we need more money. That's what, that's what we need. We need more money. Let's see here. Uh, this comes from at Silva 0072. They want uh, one of us to do a, a Vin Diesel because um, we asked for character suggestions on the show as well. Um, uh, I think Vin Diesel... Might actually be calling in right now. Um, huge action star. I don't know what he's been up to recently, other than the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, hello, Vin Diesel? Uh, uh, do I have the right number? <laughs> Is this the right number for Jeremiah Wonder? <laughs> it's the right number for Jeremiah Wonder, yeah. I've been inhaling too much fuel. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Vin Diesel, uh, you sound a little bloated. <laughs> Yeah, well, life's good. No vacation. Yeah? Have you been uh, kicking it with family? Undisclosed location, no personal questions. Oh, okay. Well, you always talk about in the Fast and Furious movies how important family is. You know what? Fuck the rock. Whoa, okay. That's what I've been wanting to hear from you, honestly, because I feel like he's he took a lot of your roles and you you were on the trajectory to maybe become what The Rock is doing, but what happened? I got more talent in my little finger 
than that guy has is an entire hand. I don't, I'm not good at analogies. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if your acting is necessarily as good as The Rock's, though. He's a pretty I'm good not actor. Acting. I'm really furious and fast. <laughs> I like to drive cars, and uh, nobody acts with sunglasses on better than me. Uh, okay. Uh, this is crazy. Your brother Finn Diesel is actually calling into the show right now. Finn Diesel. Finn. Hi, Finn. 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 F I N N. Just because you got a shark fin for a face doesn't mean <laughs> hey, uh, hey, is this a for, uh... Hi, Finn. Hi, Finn. Is uh, uh, hello, hello, hey, hey, is this Jeff? It's too important. This two things are important. Man, so my phone is cut out right now. <laughs> you know what's the most important? Racing, family, and barbecues. Those are the three most important things. Sunglasses and gym. Sunglasses, gym. Sunglasses, gym. You know all this. I gotta go. Bye, Finn. Bye. Love you. Head him home. Yeah. Hmm. My phone was cutting out. I, I couldn't really understand what he was saying. Something about how he was like, uh, you gotta, uh, family's important. Barbecues. Staying in touch with the loved ones. That's what's important. Vin, Vin, Vin Diesel. Tattoos. Tattoos. Bald heads. Let's do uh, this one, and then uh, we'll get into sax talk. Um, oh, at Wart Wrangler, what's it like eating lunch with David Tell? He doesn't eat lunch. He eats after the show, late at night. He only eats once a day, and it's always in the middle of the night. And he usually has a cheeseburger. Um, he always orders way more appetizers than anyone could ever need. For some reason, he's obsessed with over-order. He loves to buy he everybody likes, food. He likes sampling stuff. He loves, he just not, it's not even that he eats it. He loves everyone else to be a glutton. He gets me really fat on the road. And he always wants to pick up the check. And he always um, is very generous with his tipping. I had one. He's one of the most generous tippers I've ever met. I've uh, I had one late night dinner with you and, and Beecher and... And, uh, was it with San and Tony Francisco. in San Francisco? And we had so much food on the table that it literally covered. There was no, there was no square footage left on this table. It was all appetizers and random meals. And, and I, I remember Dave like, yeah, why don't we get another? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he always over orders. Yeah. And he eats late at night. He's a strange, strange man. Lots of coffee and cigarettes fuel him all day long. And then when the shows are finally over, he'll relax and eat. So he, he can't eat before the shows? No, and then he, he'll eat after the show, and then he stays up till 7 or 8 in the morning. Oh, wow. See, I can only eat a little bit before shows. I've always, for whatever reason, I can't eat a bunch of food before I go on stage. I'm the opposite. As a matter of fact, on Saturday at Harris in SoCal, I ate during the show. I brought spaghetti out. You brought Dave, Dave spaghetti was on, a, on stage? Dave was on a roll. And I really had to pee. There was a huge arena full of people. And I really had to pee. Because we're in the desert. I was dehydrated. I'd been drinking a lot of water and coffee. I really had to pee. We had another 20 minutes left in the show. And it was distracting me how bad I had to pee. 
So I just left. I just walked off to go pee. And I was like, I better walk back in with something funny. So I had a leftover plate of spaghetti backstage. So I just came out eating that. And there wasn't much left because Ed had already ate most of it after I went on stage. <laughs> My cousin Ed was with us. And he, 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 so yeah, sometimes I'll, like in bumping mics, um, I, I ordered mozzarella sticks in the middle of one episode. That's a fun series. Yeah, thanks. That was a lot of fun. So sometimes I get very low blood sugar. I just love to eat. And if the audience is eating while I'm on stage and I can smell it, it definitely distracts me. I'm like a dog. Really? Yeah. I guess that's, that is a credit to how comfortable you are on stage or like you've, or how comfortable you become over the years. With Dave. If I'm by myself, it's tricky because they're all watching you and you're chewing. But if Dave's talking also and I can chew while he's talking, my t- my chew timing's very good. I feel like did when you were starting out and you had like a, a cold or something on stage, mm. would the adrenaline kind of push you through where you wouldn't get the sniffles or anything while you're on oh, stage? Still. Still? Yeah. Yeah. You could have anything happening physically. And, you know, you see it with old comedians in a wheelchair and right up to the minute they're introduced and then they leap up and they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, performer adrenaline. I mean, that's that's the mark of a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Let's round it out with this final segment of the show, Sax Talk. Oh, Sax Talk. All right, Jeff. All right, Jeff. So now I'm going to share some sax with you while you share a story of a sexual encounter with me. It can be as innocent or as graphic as you like, and I will fill it in. With some saxophone, some sweet, sweet sax while you give me a, a nice old monologue. Sounds great. So whenever you're ready. So just any sex story? Any sex story. A little sax appeal? Yeah, and I'll give you some sax appeal. All right. Hmm. Let me think of a story. Any sex story? Recent? Old? I don't know. How old was she? <laughs> can be as recent or as old. I mean, it can literally go back to teenage years or it can be something recent that if you, if you're comfortable sharing that it can be something gross, it can be something sweet. It can be something straight up stanky, whatever you'd like. I was just a boy. I was in high school. Springfield, New Jersey, the 80s. The first time I lost my finger bang virginity. She knows who she is, but I won't say her name because she's a teacher. I'd never touched a vagina before. She said, Jeff, come on over. Let's have some fun. And nobody was home, so we went up to her room. probably a senior and she was a junior 
I liked her a lot, but her... I hadn't met her parents yet, so we were sneaking up to her room while they were out. And we started making... Uh, it got hot. It got heavy. I unbuckled her brazier. I said, baby, baby, please, 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 let me touch it. Let me just get down there. Let me. And it happened. She let me put my hand down her pants. The promised land. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Touching a woman's vagina. Hallelujah. And we, I was diddling, 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 figuring it out, listening to her moans and groans for direction and trying to just feel out what was supposed to happen and how this was supposed to work. And then something terrible happened. Her dog started barking. And she panicked because her parents were pulling up. We heard the garage door open. So we had to buckle up real quick. The fun was over. Suddenly I went from the greatest, most euphoric sexual adventure of my young high school life to that moment when suddenly you're meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time. That's what my dick sounded like. So what did I do? I had to be a gentleman. I had to be the caterer's son. I wanted them to like me. I wanted them to want me to marry their daughter in my father's catering hall. So I combed my hair and I buckled up and I put on a big smile and I went down to the living room. And I met her parents for the first time and they put me on the couch next to my girlfriend and... We sort of tried to put on our most honest face like nothing, no hanky-panky was happening. And I wanted them to like me so bad. And then something, then the tell happened. I started to panic as their dog started walking towards the couch. And started doing what? Furiously licking my fingers. No! I was like, oh, they're gonna know we were fooling around. 
They can't be stupid. They're going to know the dog is licking my fingers for a reason. But like all people, they too were in denial about what a hot piece of ass their daughter was. <laughs> Not hot, but horny. She was hot, but you know, we were teenagers. Instead of questioning why the dog was licking my fingers so furiously, her mom just said, Oh my God, Jeff, the dog loves you. And I said, oh, I love the dog. What a cute dog. Good doggy dog. And that was it. I had my junior prom date. Shout out to you. nice well uh the girl and the dog liked you a lot <laughs> we're still friends still friends to this day dog died <laughs> pretty sure i know what killed it <laughs> shortly thereafter but yeah no we're all still friends nice that's cool man it was a good to reminisce thank you for asking me about that of course thanks for uh thanks for doing the show buddy had a great time dude uh i've got some of uh your uh, your dates coming up that um, were uh, sent to us by cousin Ed. Oh, um, you can see Jeff uh, uh, bumping mics in uh, in August uh, the twenty third and the twenty fourth bumping mics in Bow Washington Skagit Valley Casino. Really, two nights? Yeah, two nights. The twenty third and the twenty fourth, September twenty fifth, Charlotte, North Carolina, at the Night Theater. Uh, October fourth and October fifth, bumping mics in Huntington, New York, at the Paramount. And those then, shows are going to be amazing. All That's like, where the, if you haven't seen Bumping Mics live, you got to do it. It's an incredible show, and and it's just it's it's cool to see not only like because I've seen you guys at the cellar. That was the first time I saw you guys mm-hmm. at the cellar, and actually you brought up me, Jamar, and Willie once <laughs> on the cellar stage to do the wave uh, during bumping mics. During bumping mics, <laughs> and it was pretty awesome. Um, it was a definitely a night to remember. Some of the comics were not happy that uh, that that the wave got on the uh, comedy cellar stage because we're not past there. Right, right, right. <laughs> Which I get, uh, but it was a fun night, but nonetheless. Uh, me and Dave, we make our own roles. Yeah, you do your own thing. Uh, so you got to see it live. That was definitely one of my favorite uh, nights that we had in New York when you're like, oh, what, what, what? the wave is here. Why don't we come up? We did the wave. We did dumb act outs and stuff after Atel and uh, Jeff were like roasting people. I just wanted you guys, you would come in for one of the festivals and- I wanted you guys to get on stage in in the, at the world famous comedy cellar. So that's how I did it. That was pretty cool, man. Yeah. 
Uh, last couple of dates for Jeff. Uh, see him October 19th, Bumping Mike's Prior Lake, Minnesota, Mystic Lake Casino, and then uh, October 20th, Winnipeg Club Region Event Center. Um, and then uh, the Roastmasters Invitational is going to be at the Montreal Comedy Festival just for laughs. That's in July. And listen to uh, his podcast, Thick Skin with Jeff Ross, wherever podcasts are available. Do you have anything else uh, you want to plug, buddy? Just uh, thank you again, Jeremiah, for all your hard work on the historical roast. Of course. Uh, tune into uh, Historical Rose, guys. Uh, I love you, buddy. I'm super grateful to uh, to be your friend and uh, and everything that you've done for me on a personal level and everything you've helped me out with. And you were uh, one of my close uh, comedian buddies who came to my wedding, which is pretty special. Great wedding. Because there was definitely some, uh, some comedians who did not attend that I was <laughs> trying to get there. You know what's funny is... Uh, uh, Bobby Lee has been a very good friend and mentor to me over the years. And, uh, he didn't come to the wedding and he goes, you know, what made me feel really bad is when the pictures came out and Jeff Ross was there. <laughs> he goes, cause then I knew I should have been there. Oh, <laughs> Bobby. Yep. So <laughs> take that slept King. The roast master came to my wedding. <laughs> right. Love you, pal. Love you, bud. Thanks everybody. Thanks for doing the show.